I'm going to sit down today, <clears throat> uh, just because my foot is acting up. Um, so over the last month or so, um, I, I've been thinking of simpler times, and uh, I don't know why I think back to a time in my early childhood, but I used to be sent over to Vancouver Island to work in my grandfather's uh, grocery store, and it was the only store in town. And um, after work, we would go, he, they had an apartment, a, a two-bedroom apartment up above the store. And um, in their living room, they had a little phonograph, a record player. And um, he had a, a record that he would listen to often. And, and it, it came back to me just uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I can't get it out of my head. So I want to put it into your head. Uh, this morning, and it was a song uh, sung by um, an Italian singer. Uh, it's a lot better than what I can do, but um, we're trying all kinds of new things here today. First of all, it's a new song, and then <clears throat> we uh, attempted to record the piano music on our piano here, and uh, it worked sort of. It was the, if, it's, if it's not quite right, it's the fault of the piano player. But um, I think we can play the music and sing along to it at the same time. So we're going to have words up on the screen. And uh, let me grab the words here so that I don't miss what they are. And uh, we'll give it a shot <clears throat> and see if it works. It's going to start right away. And I know you don't know the song. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so it, it, the beginning of it sounds something like this. So, we, so go to the next slide if you don't mind. <clears throat> there we go. So it's, we're nearing the shore. We're nearing the shore. Trouble soon will be over. We'll suffer no more. Trials all past, the victory at last. Tis glorious to know that we're nearing the shore. How many people actually have ever heard this before? Zero. Okay. So <clears throat> that's good. It's a new song. So it's going to start right away. Just join with me and we'll go through all the verses together. Uh, let's see if it works. Shore, we're nearing the shore. Trouble soon will be over. We'll suffer no more. <clears throat> Trials all past, the victory at last. Tis glorious to know. That we're nearing the shore. Glorious peace that never will cease. <clears throat> Heartaches can't enter those beautiful streets. No pain, no war. All rich, no poor. Oh, it is wonderful 
to be nearing the shore. We'll see the lighthouse, Jesus divine. He will say, welcome, children of mine. Come in and rest, this land possess. Oh, it is wonderful to be nearing the shore. We're nearing the shore, nearing the shore. Trouble soon will be over. We'll suffer no more. Trials will pass, the victory at last. Tis glorious to know that we're nearing the shore. Well, not bad for your first go round. I hope it sticks with you this week. So if you're going to excuse me, I'm actually going to take my shoe off and the front of my sock off. If you don't mind looking at my toes, we'll get started. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever um, considered the question, why do the righteous suffer? Why do the righteous suffer and the wicked suffer? prosper. Uh, the question actually comes up in the scripture in um, Psalm 73 and also in Psalm 37. And the question plagues, has plagued and continues to plague some of the godliest saints. Why do Christians suffer? Why do the righteous suffer? And um, in Psalm 73, Asaph, the, the writer of the psalm, nearly stumbled in his faith over this question. And uh, you read the whole psalm, um, and, he, and he looked and he saw wicked people uh, prospering. Uh, it seemed like nothing ever happened to them. It seemed like they got away with everything. And, uh, and he suffered, and he didn't understand why. They, the evil were prospering, living a life of relative ease, while the godly had all sorts of sorrows. But then, when he thought about it, and he thought about the end in store for the wicked, it completely changed his perspective. There is a time coming when the wicked will be punished for their sins. There is a time coming when they will suffer, and they will suffer for all eternity. And so, he thought about this and he, he must have come to the conclusion that even if I suffer my whole life, it's only this life. But if the wicked suffer, they will suffer for all eternity. And that really is what our message is about this morning in 1 Peter. We're nearing heaven's shore. We're almost there. The wicked are not. The wicked are not nearing heaven's shore. In Psalm 37, verse 1, David says, Do not fret 
because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. The last chapter is not written uh, in this life. There is an eternity to follow. Christians often wonder, why? Why does God allow me to suffer? Over the past decade, um, I have suffered more physical affliction than I suffered in all the 50 some odd years that 50 some odd years that preceded it. And so has Krista. Many of you have suffered more than I have suffered. Many of you continue to suffer, and you're right alongside me in this journey. Some of us suffer physically. Some have uh, been plagued with depression or mental illness, some emotionally, some have suffered financially, some have suffered spiritually or through grief of losses, losses of family members, losses of um, children even. And I look back at the last decade and I, I ask the question, why did the Lord allow me to fall off my roof? I, I suffer from that to this day. I had to get the hardware removed just a few weeks ago. My foot is in pain. My foot is swelling. I have it wrapped. Why does the Lord, why did the Lord allow me to fall off the roof? Why did the Lord allow an infection to get into my foot uh, in the first reconstruction surgery of my heel? I mean, he could have prevented it. But a bacterial infection got into my foot in that first surgery, and I, went, I was sent home right after, and the pain was unbearable. I've never experienced pain like that in my life. And I had to go back in, and they, they found out that I had a, a serious infection in my foot. Why did the Lord allow me to have to go through seven more surgeries? on my foot, and then an eighth one just a few weeks ago. Oh, sorry, I'm the ninth one, actually. Eight surgeries to fix the foot, a ninth one to take out what they fixed. <laughs> Why did the Lord allow me to suffer from cancer? Why does the Lord allow suffering uh, among Christians at all? Why am I in constant pain? Why am I troubled each day? Why, why, why? Why do you suffer through trials? Why do you suffer through physical infirmities? Why do you suffer from pain? Why do you suffer from all of these things? Why does the Lord allow the righteous to suffer? Why do they suffer? Paul must have asked the same question. Paul suffered a thorn in the flesh. Some physical ailment, we're not sure what it was, but he calls it a messenger of Satan to torment him. And Paul asked the Lord, he didn't want to have it. It wasn't pleasant for him to have it. He wanted it to be removed, and he sought the Lord's face three times and asked the Lord to remove it, and the Lord did not remove the thorn in his flesh. And the Lord said instead to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And we read from Paul's account of this that his suffering, the Lord allowed his suffering to uh, cause him 
uh, to remain humble and to show him the power of Christ working through a weak vessel. And Paul says that his infirmities were for Christ's sake. He was suffering for the sake of Christ. In other words, Satan attacked him because he was a follower of Jesus Christ. And Satan wanted to slow him down. And in that sense, Paul suffered along with Christ. You all know the story of Job. The story of Job goes on for, it's one of the longest books of the Bible, and it's all about his suffering. He was a godly man. The Bible clearly states that. He was a godly man, and because of that, Satan wanted to attack him. And God allowed Satan to afflict Job, and Job endured the loss of his health, his wealth, his family, and his friends. But God reminded Job that he was in charge of everything in the universe, including Job's life. In Job chapter 38, verse 8, God speaks about what he said to the ocean. And he said, this far you may come, but no farther. And here your proud waves must stop. And just as God controls the, the ocean waves and stops them at the border of the, uh, the, border of the sea. Um, God controls the borders of the sea. He limits Job's suffering, and he limits our suffering as well. God restricts how much he allows us to suffer and how much we must endure. Ultimately, God wanted Job to um, endure the test in order to bless Job. And God wants you, whatever suffering that you go through, whatever sorrow you face, whatever uh, strife that you experience, God wants you to endure because he wants to bless you. That is the purpose, or one of the purposes, of trials. In fact, in um, James chapter 5, we read this, Indeed, we count them blessed, who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end, the end intended by the Lord. What was the end of Job in his life? It was God's richest blessing. And that's what God wants to do in your life as well. You may suffer, you may go through trials, but in the end, God wants to bless you. Um, that is the end intended by the Lord because the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. God carried Job through his trial and blessed him in the end. That's because God is compassionate and God is merciful. And if you're going through a trial, just remember that. Remember God's compassion. Remember God's mercy. Uh, that's who he is. God wants to show you his compassion and his mercy during your trials. Look for God's care in your trial. Look for what he's doing in your life, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. That's what the scripture says. We're going to look at that in the next chapter of uh, Peter. Dear believer, the Bible says no testing has uh, overtaken you except as is common to man. But with the testing, God will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. 
we should not be asking, why, God, have you allowed me to suffer? Why am I suffering in my life? Instead, we should seek what God is doing in our life and seek his blessing as a result of the trial that he allows us to endure. When I fell off the roof three years ago, April 1st, of all days to fall off the roof, I called Luke that morning. You know, you can't do an April Fool's joke after 12 o'clock, I'm told. So it was the morning. And I called Luke, and I said, Luke, I just fell off my roof. He goes, yeah, right, Dad. (laughs) No, I really did. April Fool's, Dad. No, I'm suffering. Do you want me to cry? (laughs) When I fell off my roof, I suffered like anybody else who, who has fallen off their roof. My suffering was no different than anybody, any unsafe person who falls off a roof and shatters their heel. But you have to ask, well, why did God allow it? What was the purpose of this trial? So it happened on April 1st, 2020. You remember the time, uh, that time was an era. It was uh, the era of COVID-19. COVID had just hit the United States. It was kind of unwinding, and we were seeing... Uh, tens of thousands of people uh, coming down with COVID, and um, my, assur- my surgeries occurred right when the hospitals, you know, had mask mandates, and they were, uh, the, the staff, uh, the nursing staff were freaking out because there were, it was not enough protective gear, face masks, and shields, and gloves, and all the rest of it. Walmart was being um, you know, all the toilet paper was being bought up, and there was a, a shortage of it for whatever reason, I don't know. And, uh, you know, crazy things were happening. But if you remember, at that same time, uh, people were rioting in the streets. And uh, when I was in the hospital uh, undergoing some of these surgeries, and I had uh, a number of weeks in the hospital, uh, right up the street, just a few blocks away from Kaiser San Leandro, is the Marina Shopping uh, Square, where there are um, outlet stores, and all of them were broken into, the windows smashed, and people went in and stole everything. They just wiped them clean. That wasn't enough. They marched across the street to the car dealerships, broke through the windows in the car dealerships, stole the keys from the, uh, you know, where they, they hang them on the wall, and drove off with brand new cars. And the, the lots were emptied by the, the thieves, the, the robbers, the burglars, the evil people that were taking things that didn't belong to them. They marched from Marina uh, Outlet Center down towards uh, I-80, free, I-880 Freeway, and they marched down I-80 Freeway to Bayfair Mall, and the hospital went into total lockdown because they were afraid they were going to march to the hospital and, and uh, burglarize or rob the, the pharmacy of all the drugs. And so the, the whole hospital went into total lockdown. So you had uh, nursing staff and other staff that were in the hospital who were already afraid because they feared that they were going to get COVID from somebody coming in with COVID. And now they were afraid of these guys coming in and, and, and you know, trashing the hospital and perhaps hurting them. They were afraid. There was fear everywhere. And I remember the staff on our floor, was, was, they were afraid. Some of them were you know, terrorized by what was happening. But the openness to the gospel was something like I have never seen in my life. 
these people who began to think about death. They work with death every day with hospital patients, but now they could become the victims themselves. And they were concerned about, would they die from COVID? Would they die from people coming in and killing them? What was going to happen? Their future was uncertain, and they were afraid. And so the gospel, there was an openness to the gospel like never before. As fear swept through the hospital staff, um, suddenly they became open to the gospel. And uh, the Lord allowed me to witness to the staff that worked on my foot all week long. And day after day, uh, there was new staff. And day after day, I had more opportunities to witness and tell them about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and how they could come to know him as their personal Savior and Lord. And as I sat there, I didn't sit there, I lay there in my bed, I thought, Lord, why am I here? This must be the reason that you sent me here. So you've allowed me to fall off a ladder, to shatter my foot, to get an infection in surgery, only to send me back to this hospital so I can reach these people with the gospel. Okay, I get it, Lord. That's what you're doing. I'll comply. I'll stop complaining. I'll just trust you that that's what you want me to do. So after the first surgery, I went back, um, and I had to be in the hospital for a week. And I was there for three separate surgeries during that week. The nursing staff kept turning over, and I kept having opportunities. Every time I went in for surgery, it was a new group of people. <laughs> I said, Lord, this is great. I remember being wheeled down to the surgery, um, the OR, and um, a nurse came up to my, you know, to do my vitals and all the rest of it, and I had, um, I, I looked at her tag, and it said destiny, and I said, oh, I have the perfect book for you. And uh, so later I got the, a copy of Final Destiny and I gave it to her. And, and, but it was very clear to me that the Lord was preparing her heart because she told me that some people in her family had just died and she was searching for God. And I thought, Lord, she's one of the reasons that I'm here, to reach destiny with Final Destiny and tell her about how she can have a future destiny with you. So I was released from the hospital after the week was over. And I know this sounds odd, but I actually felt disappointed <laughs> because there were people I still wanted to reach and I knew there was new staff coming and I, I had to reach them all. And I went home and I, the pain levels got up and up and up and the infection just got worse. I had to go back to the hospital and I was there for 10 days. And during that 10 days, they went through four more surgeries on my foot. The nursing staff entered my room during that period of time because they had heard that I was telling others about, about the Lord and how they could be saved. And I've never seen this in my life, ever, where, where staff came and literally begged me to share the gospel with them. The Lord had prepared hearts in a way that I could never, uh, never do. I remember writing a letter at that time, quoting the Apostle Paul, who had been imprisoned in Rome, and he wrote this, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest 
that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident in my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul had been in prison for preaching the gospel. And in prison, he realized that, no, this, there's a reason for this. There's the guards who haven't heard about Christ. Let me witness to them. And so he did. And it caused them to hear the gospel, and it caused the Christians who were suffering trials and persecution to become bold in their faith. And I hope today that what you hear causes you to become more bold in your faith. Did the Lord care for me during this time? Yeah. And people heard the gospel. Christians were encouraged. But did the Lord care for me during this period of time? I was suffering. I was in pain. I remember the night, uh, so I had just had my fifth surgery, and I, I didn't know I was going to have three more after that. And I was sore, I was worn out, I had witnessed all day to the staff, and night had fallen, it became dark outside, it was about maybe 10 o'clock, and I was sort of feeling sorry for myself. And I just sort of rested in bed, and I thought, oh, I've got to have one more nurse come in here. They've got to do the final check for the night. They've got to give me my medication. They've got to do all this. Oh, Lord, I'm so tired. And so in walked the nurse. I'd never seen her before. And um, I needed encouragement. <laughs> I didn't really want to witness again that night. I just didn't feel like it. And she came and just chatted for a minute. She went to the computer to write you know, type in all of the vitals. But as she was doing it, she began to hum a song. Do you know what I'm humming? How great thou art. And I, I, my whole attitude changed. And as she finished the, the chorus, I began to sing and join her. And I, I stopped her, actually, as she was setting up the IV drip. I, I, I heard her humming, How Great Thou Art, and I, I joined her, actually, in singing the chorus. And then I stopped her, and I said, You know what my favorite verse is? She said, What is it? And when I think that God, His Son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross he gladly, he, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. I said, that's my favorite verse. She said, yeah, that's a good one. I said, what's your name? She says, Angie. I said, Angie, sing along with me. And we sang the chorus together as loud as we could in that room. <laughs> we burst in song for the chorus, smiling from ear to ear, and we praised the Lord. And it was like an anteroom of heaven that night. And I thought, Lord, you do care for me. Here I am in need of this, and you've given it to me. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God, to thee. How great thou art. 
how great they are. Thank you, nurse Pierangeli, that's her name, an antechamber of heaven. God knew how much I needed that that night. When you suffer, God hasn't forgotten you. He knows everything about you. We're nearing the shore, and that's another thing, that, one of the reasons I wanted to sing that song. You know, our trials are almost over. The closer, some, some of us are closer to the end of that than others. We're nearing the shore. Trouble soon will be over. We'll suffer no more. Trials all past. The victory at last. Tis glorious to know we're nearing the shore. What a tragedy that I should suffer a foot injury and so many surgeries. It's not a tragedy. It was for the gospel, for the Lord's sake. God spared my foot. And uh, due to the frequent blood tests, I found out that I had cancer. You know the story. I wonder when a battery of tests, blood work, MRI, CT scans, biopsy, and in the morning of September 4th, 2020, I opened my Bible, I was reading through the Psalms, and I was in Psalm 118, just happened to be in that Psalm. The Psalm encourages us to give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear, what can man do to me? Now, I still didn't know what the diagnosis was uh, for my uh, cancer. I had gone through all of these tests. I knew the doctor was going to call me, the oncologist was going to call me at a certain point and tell me the results. And that afternoon he did. But in Psalm 118 that morning, this is what I read. I shall not die, but live. And I read it again. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. It's okay to be chastened by the Lord. Actually, it's evidence that He loves us. It's evidence that we're His child. It's okay to be chastened by the Lord. The doctor called, and in the kindest way possible, he told me that I had stage 4 cancer. He said, Don, he said, there is no cure. You're dying. But the Lord had already given me confidence from the verses He had given me that morning. I shall not die but live and declare the work of the Lord, works of the Lord. I began the most brutal physical trial I have ever experienced in my life. And again, the Lord gave me opportunities that I could not have had otherwise. People whose hearts he had prepared beforehand, who were reading the scripture, who were reading... Uh, gospel booklets, and yet were unsaved, and I had the opportunity to share the gospel with them. Patients who were going through the same thing I was going through and had opportunity to share Christ with them too. Satan wanted to destroy me, but God drew a line in the sand and said, thus far you shall go and no further. And the Lord, as far as we know, has cured me of stage four cancer, a cancer that cannot be cured but not until I had reached the people he wanted me to reach. This, too, turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. And believers, we know, the Scripture says this, that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. 
So we're in chapter 4 of 1 Peter, verses 12 through 19. Let's read it quickly. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when, he, when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad about, uh, exceed, be glad about exceeding joy. I'm not saying that correctly. What does it say? With exceeding uh, joy. I think uh, my spell check changed the word. Sorry. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. So we want to look at verses 12 and 13 together. And I just titled these, Trials Are to Be Expected. Expect a trial in your life. If you haven't already experienced trials in your life, you're going to as a Christian. We all go through many trials in life, but Peter, in this section of of, uh, his writing, focuses on fiery trials. A fiery trial is like a fire which metals are tested and their dross is removed. Job said, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. The Lord allows fiery trials in our lives to burn away everything that does not resemble the Lord Jesus Christ. Trials are to be expected. If Jesus was treated harshly on earth and we follow him, why would we expect any better treatment than he received? Yes, the scripture says, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If you live for the Lord, you're not going to win a popularity contest. Don't think it's strange, Peter says. Instead, you should rejoice that the Lord is allowing you to share in his sufferings, in the sufferings of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that we share uh, with him in suffering for sin as as an atonement for sin. That's not what he's talking about. But the same kind of suffering that Jesus suffered we will suffer too. He was hated. He was rejected. He was spit upon. He was beaten. He was put to death. And so all of these things Christians experience too. And some, many have been martyred for their faith. Some in a terrible, horrible way. We share in the same kind of suffering he endured while he lived on earth. Now, if we can rejoice in our trials and suffering now, how much more we will rejoice when he comes in his glory. If we can say, Lord, I accept this suffering and I thank you for it, I am filled with joy that you are working in my life and causing me to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, 
for what you're doing in my life. If we can do that, and we have joy while suffering, how much more joy we will have when we see him in heaven. That's what he's saying. That's what Peter is saying here. This is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. Paul says that in 2 Timothy. And so trials are to be expected. In verses 14 through 16, we need to suffer for the right reasons. There is a right way and there is a wrong way to suffer. In verse 14, we have the right way. And many of us suffer things that are common to all human beings. Some of us suffer because Satan is attacking us. Some of us go through trials to purify us and to conform us to the image of Christ. But here Peter is speaking about suffering for the name of Christ. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. Jesus taught in Matthew 5, 11 and 12, Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets who were before you. In Luke chapter 6, verses 22 and 23, Jesus said, Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. If you remember in Acts chapter 5, verses 40 through 42, um, there was a plot to kill the apostles. They wanted to kill them. Instead, they were beaten and instructed to stop preaching about Jesus Christ. When they were released from this arrest, uh, the apostles, it says, departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. To the persecutor, Christ is blasphemed. But to the persecuted Christian, he is glorified. The persecutors hate the Christ we love. And we love the Christ they hate. When we love him and rejoice in what he's doing in our life, we are glorifying him. When they hate us and persecute us, they are blaspheming him. When you suffer for the sake of Christ, the Spirit of God rests upon you. Um, just as God's presence was known in a unique way, uh, when the glory cloud rested on the tabernacle in the wilderness, so God's presence is known and is felt in a very palpable way when you suffer persecution for his sake. The nearness and dearness of spiritual intimacy with Jesus Christ accompany trials of this nature. And when you suffer for his sake, you bring glory to his name. That's the right way to suffer for Christ. There is a wrong way to suffer. Verse 15, if we suffer because we have done evil, 
Well, you get what you deserve, you know? That is the wrong way to suffer. If we suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters, there is certainly no reward for that. The unsaved can do that just as well, maybe better than we can. There's certainly no glory for God in suffering for doing wrong, is there? So don't do wrong, and you won't suffer for it. Again, that's sandwiched between two verses. Verse 14 talks about the right way of suffering. The wrong way is in the middle, and then the right way is stated in verse 16 again. Peter says that if you must go through a trial, it's be it better be for the right reason. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. So finally, in verses 17 through 19, Peter contrasts temporary suffering, and he compares it to eternal suffering. I asked you at the beginning, why do the righteous suffer? And why do the wicked prosper? And the answer is given in verses 17 through 19. The righteous suffer fiery trials now, but the wicked who seem to prosper now will suffer eternally in the lake of fire. We experience temporary fiery trials. They experienced eternal fire in the lake of fire. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God, Peter writes. The judgment Peter refers to is the persecution and trials that Christians face during the church age. We face judgment or trials by the assaults of the wicked all around us. And if you look at church history, uh, the church has suffered through the centuries. The blood of martyrs has flowed freely in the streets. If believers suffer for righteous behavior, what will become of those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? If we suffer for doing what is right, how much more they will suffer for their evil. That's the point of his argument. And Peter quotes from Proverbs 11.31, If the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and sinner appear? If the suffering of saints is so severe, what will the torment of hell be like for those who reject the gospel? Our suffering is described in 2 Corinthians 4.17 this way. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. What a contrast. Temporary light afflictions, eternal weight of glory. That's the thing to keep in mind. God is hard at work in your life and in my life right now. And sometimes he allows trials and difficulties, persecution, suffering in your life for very specific reasons to conform you to the image of his dear son. Because God wants to populate heaven with people just like his son. That's what heaven will be. 
people conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So if you're suffering this morning, suffer for the right reasons. Suffer according to the will of God. Commit your soul to him in doing good. Look for the changes that he wants to make in you and look for ways to glorify God in your suffering. In the midst of our suffering, God remains a faithful creator. He will continue to care for you. He will keep on loving you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And he will continue to conform you to the image of his son. And we will stand on that day perfect, faultless in his presence because of what he has done through the trials that he gives us in this life. Let's just pray and then we'll sing that song one more time. We're nearing the shore. Lord, we come before you and we thank you for your method of uh, purifying us, your, your way of dealing with us that we might become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that we would um, be joyful in the midst of trials, that we would glorify you, that we would not become discouraged, that we would not give up, that we would endure because we know that you are uh, compassionate and merciful, just as you were to Job, so you will be to us. Lord, help us to learn this lesson in our lives and to rejoice in it and to glorify you through whatever trial you send our way. Lord, please let us be, become more like your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's see if it, it works. Not the right one. <laughs> soon we'll be over we'll suffer no more trials all past the victory at last <clears throat> tis glorious to know that we're nearing the shore and with peace that Never will cease. Heartaches can't enter those beautiful streets. No pain, no war. All rich, no poor. Oh, it is wonderful to be nearing the shore. 
we'll see the lighthouse, Jesus divine. He will say, welcome, children of mine. Come in and rest, this land possess. Oh, it is wonderful to be nearing the shore. We're nearing the shore, nearing the shore. Trouble soon will be over, we'll suffer no more. Trials are past, the victory at last. Tis glorious to know that we're nearing the shore. Amen.